You know where that is, right? That is right where my favorite ice cream place is. You know what I'm talking about? Dinosaur Gert! <laughs> Dinosaur Gertie! <laughs> I love that place. Please stand clear of the door. Welcome to Walt Disney's Carousel Podcast. Oh, you're in for a real treat. Hi, friends, and welcome back to our podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing bars of Disney World. We enjoy a libation every now and then, and of course, love Disney always. So it's only natural the two have combined in this episode of the Carousel of Podcast. But first, Cody, let's do the news. We interrupt this broadcast for... Disney News! Okay, so we're going to start off by talking about the new ticketed events that Walt Disney World is beginning to test out at Magic Kingdom. And so there apparently is a new early morning magic ticketed event, and there is an evening event, which we'll get to in just a second. So first of all, the early morning magic ticketed event is um, a, well, ticketed event um, that costs $70, well, $69 per adult and $49 per child, so basically $50 and $70. And what this gets you is um, the ability to enter Magic Kingdom at 7.45 a.m. and you're able to stay there until 10 a.m. And only people with admission to this ticketed event are allowed to be there. It is not um, information released to the public yet as to how many tickets will be available, so Cody and I aren't really sure as of this point how exclusive these events really are, um, but your $70 um, ticket gets you admission to Fantasyland in addition to a continental breakfast where you can enjoy juice, fruit, pastries, um, scrambled eggs, Mickey waffles, and that kind of thing. And you're also able to experience the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and Peter Pan's Flight. So this is a Fantasyland event, but you're, I, I think one of our criticisms that we have of it is not just that, you know, it's a high price for um, access that has been previously been included to the public or at least uh, resort guests, but also the fact that you're not even able to access all of the Fantasyland rides, just those three, so. Yeah, and I think, uh, I do want to point out that I believe, uh, just so our listeners are aware, it's 69 and 49 on top of your admission, so it would be an additional cost once you've already purchased your ticket. Right, so this extra cost is strictly to be in the park from 7.45 a.m. until 10 a.m. So I, I'm guessing um, at that point, if you would like to continue to remain in the park, that you would have to buy additional park admission. And at this point, depending on what day of the year you go, that could be upwards of $120 to enter the Magic Kingdom. So, um, I mean, this event does include breakfast, but it is, you know, just... It's, a, it's just a continental breakfast, and one of the things that would really make me want to go to this event is if I knew there was a cap to admission. I feel like Disney, especially right now, with their budget cuts trying to make the most money that they can, uh, I feel like they're going to allow so many people to do this where I don't really see the benefit. If there was a cap of, let's say, I know this is not realistic, but my dream would be uh, five people. <laughs> I would be the one of five people going in there and having a great time. But let's say, more realistically, there's going to be 
thousands and thousands of people signing up for this event to where you're still gonna have long lines, you're still gonna have uh, crazy buffet lines, and you know, I just don't see the benefit to where I can sleep in maybe a little bit longer get there and still have the same experience. Yeah, um, so one of our favorite Disney news outlets, WDW News Today, has posted this information that we're referring to with the little caveat that Disney originally had this information posted on DisneyWorld.com, but it has since been removed. So um, this, they are currently um, testing out an evening um, extra magic event, which we'll get to in just a second. So this is, you know, kind of interesting bits of information in that we know that they're doing an evening one and there is supposedly this morning event going on as well, but it's not, there hasn't been like a formal announcement or anything like that. It's just information that was on the website and is no longer there. So I would be very interested to see once they re-release this information in an official capacity, what the extent of it will be. Um, I just I wonder if they would release how many tickets are going to be um, able to be purchased and what days these are going to be available. So because you know. Magic Kingdom is almost always open to the public at 8 a.m., like most days of the year. And so it's really interesting if they're going to pursue this event to where, you know, it's only a ticketed event until 10 a.m. That's pretty late to open it to the general public, so. A few of the critiques I've noticed so far is that it's just Fantasyland. You can't right. go to any other area of the park, uh, which I feel like, and it's not even just all of Fantasyland. It's three rides, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Seven Doors Mind Train, Peter Pan's flight. There's no uh, Enchanted Tales of Bell. There's just those three attractions. And so I, I feel like even though you're getting early admission, since there's only three rides open, those lines are going to be drastically long, right. especially Seven Dwarfs, which is already crazy long. Yeah, I was just about to say, it seems extremely counterintuitive because even if they open this up to, you know, a few hundred people, thousand, you know, whatever. If there's only three places for them to go, you know... It's real... It's bottleneck. Not everyone is going to want to be on Winnie the Pooh, which I think is, like, an interesting choice to be one of the attractions anyway. Like, that's kind of bizarre to me. But Peter Pan's Flight and Seven Dwarfs Mine Train are easily the highest wait time attractions in Magic Kingdom currently and have been for a while and will continue to be for in the future. So that makes sense, but it really doesn't give people much options. You know, you have to go on one of the three, and so therefore there's going to be a line in either case. So. Yeah, and the buffet list doesn't seem like it's that... Well, it's, it's, it's a continental breakfast. Like, it's not even a buffet. This is... Yeah, I know, you know but it just seems like... It just seems like besides maybe the frittata it doesn't seem like any sort of if you're in Disney and not staying at a resort uh, on property I feel like your hotel already at least has a continental breakfast yeah very similar to this maybe besides Mickey shaped waffles you probably have regular shaped waffles so I don't see any added benefit you know there's no pizzazz finesse I don't see anything besides maybe a budget in breakfast here in the shape of Mickey Mouse. I would have loved to have seen, you know, for my money, maybe a little more variety, interesting uh, takes on certain things. Um, yeah, because I, I know Disney really has the capability to blow you away with food. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think we are po probably jumping the gun a little bit with this one because there is that little aspect that it was on the website and it's no longer there, and we're kind of waiting around for an official announcement. So maybe there will be changes. I think, I think we have enough to judge it already. It <laughs> well, hasn't we been know. announced, and we're gonna make our final judgment now. Oh gosh. 
All right. Well, we've mentioned it a couple times, so let's just move on in and discuss the after hours yeah, event. We'll move forward a few hours here. We're going to after hours. Um, yeah. So continuing right along this, you know, new after hours ticketed event. The cost is one hundred and forty nine dollars. So one hundred and fifty basically plus tax for three extra hours in Magic Kingdom. So so far. Um, Tickets are only available for select nights in April and May. So there's three, it looks like three dates in April and four dates in May. And the times for those events are all 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., um, except for May 5th, which is 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Yeah, Cinco so, de Mayo, man. Yeah, yeah, that, and okay, so it's $150 to be in the Magic Kingdom for these extra hours. And so far, it looks like, um, there, you know, the extra magic hours are still available to resort guests. They're still on Disney's calendar online, and they will continue to be there for the next few months. Um, but there are various sources that are kind of speculating. I know one source has been saying that this is a possible, you know, a potential way for Disney to start phasing out extra magic hours for resort guests, which would be horrible. But you know, wouldn't surprise anyone, I don't think. Then again, there's you know various other people who are thinking that this is just you know, one other way to get some extra cash flow going and then it's not really going to affect anything. There are still extra magic hours available for um, the evening and the morning for all of the resorts, except Animal Kingdom, of course. Animal Kingdom does not have evening um, extra magic hours. So one of the things that I have a problem with is that uh, one of the biggest incentives of staying on property is that you will get these extra magic hours guaranteed with your stay. And I feel like that kind of does it a service when anyone under the sun can just pay a little extra money and be granted these extra hours without having to stay on property. Right. I don't think that they are um, conflicting with those days where people would be receiving extra magic hours anyway who are staying on property. I do think these are nights where they wouldn't have been offered. So I don't think they're going to conflict in that way. However, it's still not, you know... I think it's just the idea of it. Yeah, and also, if you think about it, you know, kind of like how we said before with the morning event, on May 5th, you know, if this ticketed event begins at 10 p.m., that means at 10 p.m., people who have not paid the additional $150 to be at the Magic Kingdom for those evening hours will now, you know, as always, they'll be allowed to be in the park, but they will no longer be allowed to um, get on any attractions. And so it, you know, that just is so early compared to when the Magic Kingdom usually closes, I feel like. I know Hollywood Studios and um, Epcot usually close at 9 or 10, but Magic Kingdom is notoriously open until midnight or later most most um, nights of the year. So I just think, especially on a holiday like Cinco de Mayo, I just think that's so crazy to me that they would be closing the park to the public at 10 p.m. But I will say that uh, you do get some perks with this aspect. So, I mean, I don't want to come out as bashing every new thing that Disney is doing. It does seem like a lot of um, taking away some perks for more cash, but at least during these events, just like with the uh, early morning hours, you get the continental breakfast. And as well with this one, you get certain novelty ice creams, you get bottled beverages. So they are giving you some something back in return. Well, I don't think it's equating to an even deal or maybe no. <laughs> uh, living up to what you're paying for. Uh, I do think 
you do get more than just these extra hours. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is this every single ride, Andy, or is this certain rides? Yeah, or? so from what I could see online, it doesn't seem to be um, exclusive to one particular area of the park like the morning awesome. event is it does say you know for the morning event that it's a fantasy land event and it lists which uh, attractions you'll be able to get on those three we mentioned earlier and for the evening event i haven't seen anything that specifies a particular area of the park or particular attractions so you know that is nice as well not being limited but at the same time you know magic kingdom like we said before has has been open for, you know, the included extra magic hours for resort guests and even, you know, without the extra magic hours for people staying off property, Ma Magic Kingdom has stayed open until 11 or, you know, 12 a.m. And so to know that th those extra hours are no longer there unless you want to pay for that added cost is kind of, you know, a bummer, like we were saying. And, you know, we might be being dramatic about this because it isn't, you know, taking over the whole system. It does seem like these are just select evenings in the next few months and they'll be testing it out but i just really fear for the future of walt disney world because i don't want to live in a world where extra magic hours are not a thing or where magic kingdom closes at 10 p.m like that's just what i love so much is being there until the middle of the night like there's just really something very special about that yeah but i feel like magic kingdom and you know walt disney world in general is going through some hard times some budget cuts are happening and you know they've provided a lot of magic over the years so you know, if we have to endure, we have to endure. Maybe this isn't the best thing they could have done, but I will say if you're deciding between the early morning or the after hours, I would go after hours because it doesn't seem like it's limiting you to one aspect of the park. And in my personal opinion, I'm not a morning person. I don't like breakfast. If someone's gonna offer me uh, bacon and eggs or a Mickey ice cream uh, uh, sandwich bar, I'm gonna take the ice cream hands down every day. Okay, so moving right along to our next news segment. Uh, speaking of evening events, let's touch on the new Kilimanjaro Safari's nighttime elements real quickly. Yeah, so Animal Kingdom seems like they're going into a transition because they're uh, expanding their nighttime hours with the introduction of the Avatar Land, um, the Rivers of Light, Rivers of Light, Nighttime Firework Lantern Spectacular, uh, and a new addition to their nighttime entertainment lineup is the After Dark Kilimanjaro Safaris uh, ride. So already they have Kilimanjaro Safaris, but it's a strictly daytime attraction where you ride on this caravan, careening around, seeing giraffes, zebras, gazelles, antelopes, you know, all different sorts of animals. But now, while they're transitioning into this new nighttime theme park, they're trying to maybe adapt some of their existing attractions for their After Dark operations. And this fan favorite is making the switch along the process. So what's going to happen is, during these After Dusk excursions, they're going to have additional lights on the vehicles, they're gonna have um, a special uh, route that they never take before, they're going to have, actually what's really cool is it's like a special light that's yeah. gonna simulate the I'm sunset. Not, I'm not really sure how they're gonna work that out, but uh, apparently there's gonna be the a magic. new, yeah, yeah, for real. Um, there's gonna be new special lighting added to the attraction, um, I guess, you know, farther out in the landscape of some sort um, to kind of give the illusion of a sunset. So, I mean, a sunset on the African uh, plains, I think, is 
probably a very cool thing to witness. So that would be cool to see how they kind of make that work. Yeah, I think that's a really cool thing because Disney seems to be trying to do more with less. So with these after hours and early morning hours, they seem to be trying to not add anything really, no new attractions, no new whatever, but find different ways to engage people in a new way. And I feel like this, this is a really interesting way because people have been on the safari during the day and it's a really, I love it. You know, it's a really cool way to see these animals in a very open environment. You get to see them in their natural, pseudo natural environment. But this really is almost a completely new experience. You know, it's, you get to see the sunset, you get to see nighttime animals. So it just seems like a very neat way to, they're not really adding anything, but they're changing it, you know? Yeah, I think we get disappointed um, a lot recently with just the changes coming to Walt Disney World. Um, and I don't know if that has to do with the fact that we are just, we're not children anymore. We're, you know, growing adults that realize how business in the real world works. Um, or if it's just there really have been significant, uh, very different changes coming to the parks. If you listen to our um, podcast last week, episode four, I kind of touched on how people who get upset with, you know, a raise in Disney prices or a change in the structural economics of a Disney vacation, how when that happens, people get very upset and indignant. Um, and I kind of... big words, Andy. <laughs> I kind of touched on how I think the reasoning for that is that Disney is a business. You know, the Walt Disney World Corporation, the company, it's a business. And, you know, any good business is going to try and do what they can, pursue various avenues to make the most in that situation. Um, and when other business, you know, large businesses do that, I feel like a lot of people don't really bat an eye. But Disney and the Disney company and the Disney brand are very personal to a lot of people. So when, you know, park ticket prices increase or, you know, other things like that having to do with money, people take it very personally and they're like, Disney is for everyone, you know, why are all these changes coming? This is really ridiculous and un unacceptable. And there is a part of me that feels that way too, but since I have kind of acknowledged that fact, I'm trying, you know, when I encounter these new changes, especially when it has to do with additional like ticketed events and priced events, um, trying to not take it personally, trying to look at it for what it is, which is a business venture, you know, a business opportunity, and kind of evaluate it at that level. And if Disney, if you're looking for new business ideas, new uh, takes on things, I think I speak for every Disney fan when I say that we are waiting for Dollar Disney Days. Dollar Disney Days. Dollar Disney Days. It's not a thing. It's never been mentioned. So what, you go to Disney for a dollar? You go to Disney for a dollar. Wow, that the would be incredible. The lines are going to be seven hours long. Yeah. They're not going to restrict who comes in because the <laughs> price is so low. But I think, again, I speak for every Disney fan when I say dollar Disney days. I would go to dollar Disney days. Yes. Or, or dollar beers. Either one. <laughs> All right, so that's it for our news segment today. Let's get right on into our main topic, Disney bars. Cody and I are going to be talking about a couple of bars in Walt Disney World that we recommend that you check out. Some we have been to, some we have not, but we're intrigued about. And um, we'll talk about some of our personal favorite experiences at some bars in Walt Disney World. So, okay, Cody, um, why don't you start us off? Where are, we, where are we going to start? 
So let's get this one out of the way. Magic Kingdom bars. Um, yep. This will be a very quick and easy one. There are none. Um, so unfortunately, Magic Kingdom isn't quite as magical when it comes to libational entertainment. It seems that aside from getting a beer or a glass of wine from Be Our Guest, your best option for drinking at this park would be a flask hidden in your mouse ears, which we do not officially recommend or endorse. But that would be awesome. You know how it's like super popular for people to kind of craft their own ears and sell them on Etsy and that kind of thing? Could you just imagine if someone was able to come up with a flask, like ear set? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I'm that would imagining be... like a uh, camelback situation where you have yeah. straws. Almost <laughs> like those uh, beer helmets with two exactly. beer cans. Yeah, that's what I imagine, but like more magical and mousical. Um, <laughs> yeah, but as far as Magic Kingdom not having any bars or alcohol, aside from, like you said, what you can purchase in Be Our Guest, um, I think that's okay because it is nice to have one area of the Walt Disney World Resort that at least attempts to be alcohol-free just for reasons I'm sure everyone can understand. Um, and that makes sense given that it, it is the most heavily occupied with children at like all times so um yeah it, it does make sense and i it, it is that way for historical reasons dating back to when the park originally opened so um yeah and I don't i'm typically the kind of person uh who's always looking for more bars to go to always saying that oh this place would like it would be so cool if there was a bar right here but i mean when i'm at magic kingdom i don't really feel that way because um i don't know it just feels like a different kind of place. I've been going there since yeah. I was a kid, uh, so it's it doesn't feel like I don't even know really where I'm going with this. But uh, so no, I, yeah, that makes sense. It just doesn't fit. It just doesn't really fit there. So yeah. Okay, so now that Magic Kingdom is covered, let's bebop on over to probably the most obvious um, area that we could discuss as far as bars in Disney World, and that is Epcot. Yes. Uh, and the bar we're going to be talking about uh, at Epcot is La Cabo del Caquila. Stop that, Cody James. <laughs> <laughs> it's called La Cava del Tequila. Um, yeah, so Cody this bar... <laughs> a lot of trouble pronouncing this place's name, and it annoys me to no end. So, so I took uh, French in high school, Italian in college, and Spanish... Uh, never. <laughs> never. Uh, but yeah, so La Cava del Tequila, it really does have everything. Knowledgeable expertise regarding various tequilas, unique margarita cocktails, food options, and uh, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, Andy, but uh, it's in a cave. Yeah, it's uh, themed to be a cave. <laughs> so, little backstory on this. Uh, this bar officially opened in the fall of 2009 and proudly celebrates the unique heritage and tradition of tequila making in Mexico. Um, and I don't know if you know this, I know we went there, but we only had, I think, one drink each, but they actually feature over a hundred different types of tequila to choose from. So yeah. uh, you, if you go there, you're really going to be hard-pressed not to find at least one thing on the menu to enjoy. Yeah, and... 
Um, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I'm really not a tequila lover. Like, it's just not my favorite thing to consume. So it's kind of funny that we ended up going there, and it's one of my favorite places in Walt Disney World now that we have actually been. Um, you know, we went there, and I really wanted to try it out because I was very intrigued and had heard a lot of good things about the theming and the experience. And, um, I mean, who doesn't love chips and salsa? So <laughs> when we went there, I was, like, really excited, but I, you know, and like I said, not really into tequila, but for people who are, in addition to the wide variety of margarita cocktails that are available, um, which are really excellent, there's, like Cody said, so many tequilas that you can choose from for tasting. But I will say, um, I know you said you're not a tequila fan, uh, Andy, and even if you're not, if you're listening, uh, I would still recommend this place just for the atmosphere, but also, they don't only have uh, tequilas, it's what they're known for and it's their namesake but they also have uh mexican beers and in regarding their tequilas they have a bunch of like i mentioned margarita cocktails um and we're gonna describe one of them uh later we're gonna try to describe one unique beverage per bar um but they have a bunch of different um fruity margarita cocktails so even if you're not a tequila fan um maybe one of these drinks will sway you because they're not the average uh, run-of-the-mill margarita or uh, tequila shot. So Yeah, definitely not. One thing to keep in mind is that La Cava is extremely limited in terms of available seating. Um, when you go there, well, first of all, I guess we could kind of explain where to find this place because I think it took us a while to kind of realize where it actually is. So It's in the Germany <laughs> Pavilion, obviously. <laughs> yes, 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 of, of course. Um, no, it's in the Mexican Pavilion in Epcot, yeah. and so once you once you actually go into the um, what's it called, like the giant pyramid thing, the Aztec Temple. You right? The, okay, I'm sorry. The temple. Once you go in there, you <laughs> wow. go down the stairs. La Cava is um, on the main on the bottom floor to your right. So bef you know you have to kind of look for it or else you'll miss it um and you'll most likely see a line outside and don't be swayed by that because you will most likely have to wait 15 to 30 i mean we didn't wait that long at all really it's just you know you just have to wait in a line for a couple minutes you'll be waiting in line for maybe 15 or 10 minutes or so um if you're looking to sit down in there you can get drinks to go so in that case it wouldn't be like you know that long the reason it takes so long is because this bar is a very intimate really interesting place so even when you get in there you're gonna be adding to the wait time for those people waiting outside because you're not gonna want to leave you're gonna enjoy the exactly. beverages you're gonna enjoy the food you're really gonna enjoy the atmosphere did we mention it's in a cave so uh, I don't really think we need to say anything more, but, uh, yeah. So the main takeaway is basically don't be swayed by the line. Yeah. And this whole podcast is about bars and bars would not be complete without unique beverages. So one of the unique margaritas that we had at La Cava del Tequila is the blood orange margarita. And let me go over the ingredients for this one. And like I said before, these aren't your run of the mill margaritas. So it starts off tequila, orange liqueur, sweet tart mix of blood orange juice topped with wild berry foam served on the rocks with a Taijin chili powder around the rim. So mm. I can't state that enough. 
these aren't your go to a college bar, go to your corner bar and get a margarita with a pre-made mix. You're it's getting... not like the margaritas at Chili's, I'll tell you that. No, it's <laughs> definitely not. You're going to be getting an experience. And they're not the they're not the worst in terms of pricing. I mean, there are lots of places in Disney World who are going to have similar prices or even higher and they're going to be nowhere near the quality as the margaritas there. So I'd say these are maybe slightly above average price for the drinks at Disney. Um, obviously more expensive than a beer, but you kind of have to expect that going in because you're getting this unique mixology-esque cocktail. So, um, but it's definitely worth it. But yeah, are you ready to move on to our next part, Cody? Yes, I am. On our way to Animal Kingdom to Thirsty River Bar and Trek Snacks. Uh, the official description straight from Walt Disney World is parched? Pull on up to this open-air bar offering specialty drinks and beers, along with a selection of refreshing frozen beverages. Famished? While here, hungry <laughs> travelers can also choose from grab-and-go salads, sandwiches, fruit, and more. Uh, and this Thirsty River Bar and Trek Snacks is located near to uh, Expedition Everest and the viewing area for the upcoming and much looked forward to, I know personally, I'm dying to see it. Rivers of Light nighttime show. Spectacular. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so this is going to be a place to grab a quick frozen alcoholic beverage or beer and be on your way and get your seats for the show. While we haven't had a drink here ourselves, we highly recommend this location if you're on the move and not really looking to sit down with your drink of choice. Yeah, I know um, they opened this right towards the end of last year, and it's not really um, it's not really an actual bar. It's just more of one of those drink stands, and it also serves... Um, it, well, it's not a stand, like a cart, but it's also not, you know, a sit-down place. Um, they serve um, alcoholic beverages as well as snacks, and since it was opened right towards the end of the year, we didn't have a chance to kind of test that out before our pa annual passes expired, but um, I was always really interested when I saw it. I saw it a couple times before we ended up, um, I saw it a couple times before our passes expired, and I, yeah, I was like really intrigued by it. Um, and the food that I saw in their little container, like, window thing, I wasn't too impressed. I mean, it just looked like the normal, like, Disney sex you can get. But I did, you know, bring this up to you and thought that it would be kind of nice if the drinks were actually, you know, good. And they do seem to be, you know, not moderately priced and they, they seem fine. Um, I thought it would be nice to, you know, grab something and kind of walk around, um, especially in the evening time when, like you said, Rivers is rivers of light is going to be showing that would be like a nice little um you know added touch to enjoying that show is grabbing a drink here especially this summer when the show opens and you know the the nights are going to be more humid and hot so i think i just think that sounds fun and cool um yeah one speaking of, the of cool uh one of the unique beverages that you can find at thirsty river bar and trek snacks god that's a mouthful is the kombu icefall I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but no one's going to correct <laughs> me. Uh, it features cruisin' guava rum, fancy, blended with coconut and raspberry puree. And you can that get sounds this bad. delicious. I know. And at $8.50, that's not a bad price to get no. a nice, refreshing, sort of fruity coconut. It sounds like a very nice tropical beverage. Mm. Um, 
And while this does seem like a really nice place to grab and go, if you're looking for more of a sit-down bar inside of Disney's Animal Kingdom, uh, we would recommend the Dawa Bar. Right, over in Africa. Yeah, this would be a great place to take the load off, relax, have your beverage of choice. Um, the official description straight from Walt Disney World is, sip on South African wines in the heart of Harambe Village at this bamboo bar by Tusker House Restaurant. African beer included the elusive Tusker Lager, apparently it's elusive, um, not <laughs> sure why they can't find it, and, special, <laughs> and specialty cocktails like Lost on Safari are also served. Um, something I always notice is that this outdoor bar is situated in a really nice spot right in the heart of the African areas in Animal Kingdom, but it's also shaded really nicely, just the way that the little patio situation is constructed and it has fans behind the bar. So um, it can be a really pleasant experience cooling off here with a drink if you are interested in sitting. There isn't much seating available at the actual bar there's only a few chairs around it um, but there are tables and chairs really close by and they're also under the same covered patio area so that was something that was always pretty attractive to me was how um, you know this this could be a really nice place not only to get a refreshing drink but to actually sit down and enjoy it in one of the more lively um, areas of Animal Kingdom because they always have you know the guy like either an African band kind of performing or dancers or you know whatever if you were able to grab an African beer or wine or drink or whatever and just sit down in the shade get really cool nice and cooled off and enjoy that that's that could be really nice as well. Speaking of nice things, uh, one of the unique beverages at the <laughs> Dawa Bar is uh, actually the one that I mentioned in the description. It's the Lost on Safari. Uh, and this drink, the ingredients include Pink Pigeon Marutin Rum and Captain Morgan... I think that might be Mauritian. Uh, you know what? Um, <laughs> there's not a phonetic sound uh, phonetics guy here so i'm just gonna keep going with it and <laughs> captain morgan original spiced rum with our refreshing panjani punch i <laughs> i think we're really struggling with uh you know pronouncing these words of animal yeah i feel kingdom, i feel but... like the i feel like they're gonna get easier to pronounce when we once we get out of animal kingdom but yeah. <laughs> uh it does sound like a really refreshing beverage it has like a fruity sort of punch um uh, you know, I'm not really sure what Pink Pigeon Marushan Rum tastes like, but it does sound very uh, refreshing. Yeah. Uh, and the word refreshing is in the drink description, so it must be. Yeah, I feel like it would be really cool to actually get one of the African beers or wines um, that they have there on selection. They only have a few. I think it was like five or six um, options, but I still, I'm always really interested in trying something like from the place if if you're able i remember we went to um we stopped in one of the bars in morocco I don't remember i think it was spice road table um the bar that's adjacent to that restaurant in the morocco pavilion in epcot um i remember we went there and i really wanted to try one of the beers from that country and i was not disappointed you know you know where else can you get that other than epcot and actually going to the to the country or you know place wherever so yeah, I, th I think that would be, that's nice that they offer actual African beverages. Okay, so let's move right along to Hollywood Studios. And the bar we're going to be talking about located at this theme park is the Tune In Lounge. 
And the official description for this location is sip specialty cocktails while watching 50s TV at this retro hotspot. Add some thrills and chills, not and, in chills, to your lemonade with experimental electric ice cubes, uh, sounds dangerous, that light up the room. Apparently they're powerful. Uh, full bar and the 50s primetime cafe menu are also available. So it seems like the perfect mix of grab a refreshing drink, watch 50s TV, and also, you know, you're not just getting drinks. You can also order from the entire primetime cafe menu. Um, and I will say we have not actually been to this bar, but just in preparing for this episode and doing the research, there's a lot of excitement built up for this place as soon as we get our annual passes again next year. Yeah, um, and I've heard from many other blogs and podcasts and various news outlets for Walt Disney World that this, you know, this place, both the cafe and tune-in lounge, do not disappoint as far as delicious menu items go. Um, since the cafe menu, since, you know, the 50s primetime cafe menu is available to order from, you can grab, in addition to various other alcoholic beverages, you can also grab one of their famous PB&J milkshakes from the bar. Um, and you can even get it to go. They'll serve it to you in a regular Disney paper cup that you can leave with, with and drink it out of a straw and walk around Hollywood Studios. So, um, And kind of similarly to La Caba, but not quite as bad, seating is limited in the Tuna Lounge, um, especially because this is kind of the holding area for people who are waiting for their dining reservation to be ready. So... It's recommended that you go during non-peak meal times when there are going to be potentially less people there because um, while you do have the option of ordering things like the PB&J milkshake to go, I would really enjoy um, just kind of taking in that atmosphere and sitting at the bar, especially if you're able to um, order from the primetime menu without actually having to have a reservation. That's kind of appealing to someone who may have not secured reservation and decides last minute they might want to try it out, so... That's that's pretty cool, I think. If you want to talk about cool things, let's talk about Dad's Electric Lemonade, uh, oh, our yeah. unique yeah our unique beverage choice for the tune-in lounge. Uh, the official description for this beverage of choice is as follows: Dad whips up an electrifying blue drink with Bacardi rum, Sky vodka, blue curacao, sweet and sour mix, and Sprite. It is to die for. I'm not saying that, they're saying that, so it must be true. Uh, <laughs> and just to let you know, uh, if you don't know exactly, if you're listening to this podcast on your way to Disney and you're like, just tell me where the heck this place is located. Um, <laughs> it's it's located uh, next to Hollywood and Vine and the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. So right in the thick of everything. Yeah. Um, you know where that is, right? That is right where my favorite ice cream places you know what i'm talking about the ice cream place you haven't been to dinosaur gert yeah dinosaur gert. <laughs> dinosaur gertie i love that place it's never open when we go but i just love her i just think and it's great we are moving on okay <laughs> now that we've talked about basically one bar per uh theme park we're going to get into some of our personal favorites. We're going to talk about two bars in particular, uh, and they are Trader Sam's 
and the Rosen Crown. So Trader Sam's is located at the Polynesian Resort. It's actually not in a theme park per se, but it's in the Walt Disney World Resort family. Uh, and the official description for this bar is as follows. You grotto check out this tropical tiki bar that captures the romance of the South Seas through unique food and drinks. And having been to this place personally, that description, it doesn't do it justice. The amount of backstory and immersive entertainment that this bar provides is almost indescribable, which is actually terrible for the audio format, which is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the cast members that work at this establishment provide this quirky touch that I don't typically like. Uh, I'm not going to drop any names, in parentheses, whispering canyon. You're just no fun. You take everything too personally. You're too sensitive. It's no fun. I think whispering canyon is great, and Trader yeah. Sam's is great as well. So I, if you don't know, whispering canyon is a place, and there's all these different rules, and if you ask for ketchup, they're going to start yelling at you and then force <laughs> you to go around the whole room, you know, stealing other people's ketchup. And I, first off... I went into that situation not knowing that, uh, which is kind <laughs> of my fault. Yeah, it's kind of my fault for not uh, looking it up and also my fault for trusting Andy not to bring me to a place like that. Um, but I found myself at Trader Sam's, even though it's the same sort of thing, laughing and smiling every minute I was there. Um, you know, they have all these different uh, like trigger words almost so yeah. if you if you order a specific drink they have this routine that they do and it's not just the cast members that do the routine it's it's i believe that this is i think i read this online that this is the only bar in disney that they i think they classify it as a ride like an attraction like a ride slash attraction yeah yeah i think attraction sorry uh because the entire room interacts you know, oh, yeah. there's crazy tiki women that like almost like voodoo witch doctory sort of things that <laughs> move and there's volcanoes that blow up and there's wind that blows and it, yeah. it just so so basically what Cody is referring to is from the drink menu, whenever someone orders a specific drink, like he said, there are trigger words. It's really just the drink order that triggers um, the reactions. Something happens. So, um, for example, in one situation, um, there's a drink that has rum in it, two kinds of rum or something like that. And we don't want to give away, you know, all of the effects that they do or all of the fun things that the cast members will kind of perform because that's half the fun is experiencing it for the first time. But in that particular situation, for example, um, they'll just do a couple things and then everyone's supposed to yell two shots of rum. And it's just really fun. And like Cody said, quirky and unlike Whispering Canyon, they don't actually attack you personally like yell at you or anything like that yeah. it's more of like the whole general environment is like that um but it's very addicting i wanted to order all of the drinks so that i can make them do all of the different things and one day yeah. i will every time we go back i'm gonna order a different one so that they can do it but i yeah. loved it and yeah the theming is really incredible the effects 
throughout the room with the lighting and yeah it's just, just it's just very immersive i would almost yes. say 4d because at times they squirt water pistols at you so <laughs> if you're like maybe not in the mood for interaction if you're not in the mood for fun uh this is not, not a place to go and relax this is definitely not a place to just grab a beer play on your phone and you know not interact you have to be in not necessarily an outgoing mood but you just have to be willing to participate basically or at least enjoy be willing to enjoy it um and like i said the room is just you mentioned the word quirky uh they have over 1600 count it 1600 pieces of memorabilia and decor this bar is literally covered from floor to ceiling yeah. and interesting things to keep your attention for your entire stay. Forget Facebook, forget Instagram, just look <laughs> at the walls. That's all you need. There's, you know, uh, things from Walt Disney's archives. There's tons of backstory. Um, actually, I, uh, I wrote down um, an overview of the backstory and I got this straight from a blog that Andy got me interested in. It's the Disney Taurus blog, and mm -hmm. uh, it's one of your favorites. Uh, and so the overview of the backstory is as follows. Trader Sam decided to open an enchanted tiki bar where his experience in head-shrinking potions grew into an interest in mixology. Being a very connected man in the import-export business, Sam called on his friends at the Jungle Cruise Navigational Company to help him decorate the bar. With the artifacts provided by them and his letters and photos from his travels, he managed to thoroughly adorn the walls of Trader Sam's. And thoroughly adorned, those walls are. So not only is Trader Sam's a very unique place in and of itself, Outside, um, there's almost an extension of Trader Sam's. It's the Tiki Terrace. So right outside of Trader Sam's is a nice outdoor patio, sort of fun in the sun uh, sort of atmosphere where you can relax. The, it's right next to the pool so you can watch the kids getting crazy and the parents trying to wrangle the kids. And <laughs> you know, you can have your cocktail and, and you know, just people watch. Yeah, I know the first time um, I when I wanted to go try Trader Sam's, I didn't. It had just recently opened, and I didn't do a whole bunch of like a whole lot of research on it because I wanted to be really surprised. So <laughs> I did. Surprised so, you were. <laughs> yeah, I I did such little research that we literally didn't even get to the right place. We had only made it to the Tiki Terrace, and I was like, okay, I mean, I, I guess this is Trader Sam's because they're serving the drinks, but the, <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be an indoor place, and I don't understand where is it, so don't get confused. The Tiki Terrace is a great place to be, but the actual Trader Sam's Grog Grotto is inside the Polynesian, um, and it is, again, one of those things that can be easily overlooked, and the best way to describe it is when you're in on the main floor in the main lobby, um, kind of facing out, and looking out the big windows at the pool area if you go to the left where the gift shop is and then the you know you round the corner like you're going to captain cook's round that last corner to the left again like you're going to exit the side of the building and on your right there's a very discreet door um it's there's no windows or anything you won't be able to see it if you walk right by it but the door there's a door there and that is what will take you into the actual grog grotto experience 
experience. And so that's where you want to go. But if you're looking for the same really good drinks from Trader Sands, but not the same, you know, maybe you don't want to wait for a table or anything like that. Um, the Tiki Terrace outside, like Cody said, is by the pool. It's in the sun. That's also um, a nice little thing that you can do. Um, the, I found that the outdoor terrace is actually really nice at night because they tend to have live music, um, very you know themed very well. That really sets the tone literally. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're able to definitely check out the inside, even if you have to wait 30 minutes or so, um, which is likely because it's an extremely popular place. My only complaint with Trader Sam's is the seating situation. I was a little surprised, you know, because like I said, I didn't do a whole lot of research beforehand because I did want to be surprised. So I really didn't know what to expect at all. I was a little surprised whenever I went to put our name in that the hostess said, um, you are guaranteed like to get in but not guaranteed a table or a seat and I was like that's so like strange like I don't know what you're talking about um but we did that and she was right when it was our turn to come in like they keep it to such a low capacity so that it's it's for a purpose it's so that the um immersive interactions we were mentioning earlier those would not be able to take place if the room was packed to the brim, you know, you know, full. Um, so they do keep the capacity really low and that kind of results in having to wait to get in. Once you actually get in, there's only a, a few tables. There's like four or five tables. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's a very small room. Yeah, so like she said, you're, you know, if you have, if you're able to get in, you're guaranteed to get in but not get a table so we did have to stand around for a few minutes before a party left and then we snagged up their seats and so that is kind of annoying to me the fact that you know you put your name in and then you're not even guaranteed a table it'll come around eventually because someone has to leave but it is kind of uncomfortable standing around for a few minutes but it's not so uncomfortable that it's a deal breaker yeah it might not be a deal breaker but it really is um, I know we were already stressed out that day because we were having like almost everything was going wrong that day before we got into uh, Trader Sam's, but uh, it it's not a deal breaker, but it's just such an uncomfortable feeling, almost like you're staring at people like, finish your drinks, finish your drinks, stop talking, yeah. finish your drinks so we can take your table, you know? It just, it's true. <laughs> it puts a, I love this place, but that did put a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth just because... It was kind of before we got to get immersed in the environment. So we walk into the small room after waiting for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And then they're like, you're going to have to stand. It's like, what do you mean? So yeah, it's not a deal breaker. It It's de that small little complaint is definitely outweighed by how awesome and worth it Trader Sam's is. Even if you're standing up now knowing how awesome it is. I would go there and stand up for a freaking hour. I don't care. Um, so let's talk about the unique beverage. There's oh so many gosh. there. Oh my gosh, there are so many there. And I will say that I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure every drink, unique drink they have there comes with its own unique souvenir glass. Not uh, everyone, but not everyone, all of them. But, but most of them. Uh, and these aren't just so uh, typically I am opposed to the souvenir glass because it's a plastic little tchotchke usually. And that's not just Disney. That's, you know, 
a lot of places, there's no value or merit in getting the souvenir glass or the souvenir popcorn bucket. Um, but I will say that they are very unique. Uh, in every drink, there's one that's a shrunken head. Uh, there's a drink called the shrunken head and it's actually served in a zombie sort of shrunken head uh, clay glass and it's freaking awesome. Um, mm -hmm. There's one that's called the pearl and it's served in a pearl. Uh, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, um, I know you do. Uh, but the drink that I got, I'm pretty sure, uh, it's hard to remember because... Yeah, no, you did. Okay, so it, it might be hard to remember for me just because these drinks are not lacking in alcoholic flavor. Um, sometimes I will tend to, uh, if I go to a bar that I don't know, or it might be a Disney or theme park bar, uh, sometimes I'll just end up getting beer because I know... I won't get gypped on the pour ratio, but I will say this is one of the strongest beverages I've had on theme park property anywhere. Two um, shots of rum. Two shots of rum. It felt like four. But uh, so the one drink I got was called the Hippopoto Mai Tai. Pr can pronounce that correctly, but nothing in Animal Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like this drink should actually be in Animal Kingdom with that name. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm gonna describe this drink and botch every single ingredient. But so the hippopotamai type is Karuba dark rum, Bacardi superior rum, Bowles orange curacao, uh, orgot, which in parentheses says almond. Uh, don't worry, you're <laughs> not getting whole almonds in your drink. Um, organic agave nectar for some sweetness. Uh, and fresh lime juice. And uh, it was amazing. One of the best cocktails I've had um, at Disney. Yeah, it really was good. And like you said, it definitely, you could tell you weren't being gypped on the alcohol content because it was very delicious, but also not lacking in the alcoholic flavor. And the same can be said for the drink that I got, which was the Mosquito Mojito. And I friggin' loved it. I love mojitos. I love you know, mint and that type of thing. And so, yeah, it was really delicious. Definitely would recommend. And again, you could, you know, when you're paying over $10 for a, a mixed drink, you're really wanting to get a real value out of it. And it definitely was there. So yeah, yeah. Even in just like atmosphere alone, I mean, you're paying, I would pay $10 just to get into that place. You know, even yeah, if there true. was no, if there was a cover charge of $10 now knowing how cool it is, I'd be like, all right, fine, I'll just go in there and get water, you know? Uh, it's freaking awesome. And I haven't even talked about, they also have food. I mentioned in the description that it's unique food and drinks. Uh, the table next to us, they had some tapas and it, we didn't have any because uh, we were already eating that day at uh, Captain Cook's next door, but they look delicious. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when they say unique food and drinks, they really mean food and drinks are both unique. Um, and so the last bar we are gonna talk about is one of my personal favorites. Uh, while it's not the crazy immersive environment that Trader Sam's might be, it's just, I feel at home there. Uh, <laughs> it's the Rosen Crown. So during a long day of walking around the World Showcase, this bar really does provide an amazingly relaxing atmosphere to kick back and relax while you enjoy a black and tan in the sun. Uh, or the sunset, if it's the, the end of the day. <laughs> yes, so I feel like our <laughs> listeners know how time works and the sun works. But <laughs> anyway, so early morning, what Andy's trying to say is that during the early morning, the sun is up, and then later in the day, sun typically <laughs> tends to go down. Uh, Disney okay, is, okay. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, so the Rosen Crown resembles an authentic pub and has a few outside patio tables that they allow you to decide whether you want to sit inside in the AC or enjoy the amazing people watching capabilities that are awaiting you outside. Um, I know it might be the I Scots Irish in me, but I just really, like I said, feel at home in a you know relaxing pub. Uh, the staff there are always so nice. Um, yeah, they are. It's kind of funny that you think um, the Rosen Crown Pub provides a relaxing atmosphere when every minute of the day this place is packed. It definitely achieves that authentic pub feel though i mean through that um especially like you said the bartenders we've had a few we've been there quite a few times and every time our bartender was like very helpful very nice albeit very busy and you know rushing around taking care of very very busy yeah but once you actually have your drink if you're able to snag a table inside or outdoors on the little patio kind of like you mentioned before, the experience is really nice. Um, We've enjoyed a table inside and we've sat outside and we've also gone in, grabbed beer and walked around the world showcase with it. And each time was a a really good experience, like, you know, very authentic and of course, you know, delicious beer and that type of thing. Yeah, I will say that it, like you said, it does get very busy and it's not a big place at all. you know, it has a wraparound bar and a few uh, t- inside tables. Um. You almost don't mind, at least for me anyway, the, the the crowded, packed feeling of it because it's it kind of feels different than like being in like a theme park gift shop or a restaurant or something like that where it's crowded. Because then I kind of feel like panicked and like, oh god, like get these get all these people away from me. But in Rosen Crown, it it feels so authentic and you know, like you're in a real pub it's kind of it just feels natural and like you know everybody's here to get their beer and everybody's you know crowded up to the bar to get their drink and it's like not really a big deal it's not the at least i don't find it it's the same type of crowdedness that you'll find elsewhere no definitely definitely not and i I think one of the reasons that i you know didn't mention at first typically i'm the one avoiding crowds i hate being in crowds but i think one of one of the reasons i forgot about that entirely is that we tend to sometimes get lucky when we go there so uh for the most part actually uh outside uh the tables are empty so you can typically snag one of those pretty readily but inside we've gotten very lucky that by the time we get our drinks someone's leaving so we can take those seats but also to your point of it doesn't even though it's crowded it doesn't feel that way because i feel like in the same theme of a British pub, uh, you're basically family with everyone there. You know, mm-hmm. if the person next to you has the same drink, cheers with them, you know, uh, strike up a conversation. You can become mates. I don't know. <laughs> Go on a voyage together, man. It just feels like that sort of camaraderie of you're in the Rosen Crown with me. You got a black and tan in your hand. Let's talk about British accents and let's just have a good drink. <laughs> yeah. I think you really, really want like an Ireland pavilion in Epcot, don't you? Oh my God, I <laughs> Epcot <laughs> would become I, Epcot's almost already my favorite park, um, but it would. Oh God, that'd be so cool. I never thought about that. <laughs> You're speechless, aren't you? I, yeah, I got a big smile on my face. Uh, but so, 
I didn't talk about this, but the official description for this bar straight from Disney, in case you're wondering, and if you haven't been or walked past this place, uh, it's take your taste buds across the pond to the liveliest of pubs. Practice your finest toast while you quench <laughs> your thirst and quell your appetite with fresh pints, flavorful bites, and classic British fare. And you won't find it anywhere else at Epcot. Uh, so pardon my <laughs> terrible British Cockney, I don't know, accent. I don't think uh, it was that bad. It, it was all right. <laughs> yeah, it's not as good as my Bane or any other accents that I have. Um, but, uh, so, <laughs> this place really does have an authentic menu that offers guests anything from bangers and mash to Yorkshire pudding, and you can easily spend a good amount of time at this bar. Um, yeah, one thing to mention is that, um, I can't believe we kind of forgot, but Rosen Crown is a restaurant as well as being a pub. So right. you can actually make reservations for the Rosen Crown. Um, I think it's like called the Rosen Crown Dining Room or Restaurant or something like that. Um, you can, it's a sit down, it's table service. You can make a reservation for a that restaurant we haven't actually been there but it seems really nice and the menu seems to be um like you said hearty british fare pretty authentic so you can make reservations for that and sit um they're actually in the same building in the same room they're just divided by a small little gate right. area so you can actually see the bar from the restaurant if you were to be seated in there if you're not interested in eating there or getting a reservation or anything like that um you can just enter in the regular pub area where that's what we're referring to, which is the bar that you can just go and grab a drink at. It's kind of similar to Tune In Lounge connected to the 50s um, primetime cafe, um, but just slightly, slightly different. Slightly cooler is what you mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what kind little... of unique beverages do they serve at the Rose and Crown pub? Uh, well, a unique beverage there is called the Welsh Dragon, Andy. Uh, and this one includes uh, peach schnapps, melon liqueur, creme de menthe, orange juice, and pineapple juice served in a souvenir cup for $10.50. And it sounds really good. I would recommend it just on the ingredients and it sounds very refreshing and fruity, but mm -hmm. I've never had it because when I go there, the only two words I can say are black and tan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, this place is just super authentic. I mean, even the, like the smallest of details, uh, this establishment are just overwhelming. Um, you know, one of the details that I found while I was researching this was that the glass windows are actually from England. And mm. it's this weird, uh, I don't know how they do it, but the way the glass is made for the windows, it, it allows guests to see out, but outsiders not able to see in, which I, it's, I don't know, I think that's a smart thing because the people inside might be wanting to look out and see how the day is and everything like that. But on the outside, it provides this mystery of, I want to go inside that bar, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's really a testament to how much attention they put into getting all the little details right to make a place authentic. Yeah. Well, that concludes episode number five of The Carousel of Podcast. If you like what you heard, check us out on Instagram at Carousel of Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or like us on Facebook. Why not both? You can also email us with questions or suggestions for future episodes at thecarouselofpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. It's been a real treat. And cheers. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow. Just a dream away.